Welcome to Zichud Afsi Man Rebbe Ram Goldar and Tirum Zechus Yavamas Dab Kuftez Zayin, the fifteenth Parakei Yisha. So the three daps we're going to focus on. Number one, the Mishnah Daf Kufya Dal Amabei stated, "Katata Beinol Veinat Vashon Baolam Inanamenas." If there was conflict between him and her and peace in the world, the wife is not believed to say her husband died when they were overseas. The Gemara here asks, "Heichidami Katata Beinol Veinat." What is considered conflict between him and her? Rav Yudah said. In the name of Shmuel, when it comes to a point at which she says to her husband, divorce me. When the Gemara objects and says that all women say this when they're angry, it revises Shmuel's statement to when she says to her husband, you have divorced me. This means that the fighting has become so intense that she attempted to free herself from him by falsely claiming they were divorced. When the Gemara challenges this, based on what Rav Hamnuna taught, that a woman who said her husband divorced her is believed because it's a chazaka. That a woman would not be so brazen to say before her husband falsely that he divorced her. It once again revises what Shmuel said to be when she says, you have divorced me in the presence of Pony and Pony. And when the witnesses are asked, they say it never happened. Pointing to the Mishnah Rabbi Yehuda said regarding a woman testifying that her husband died overseas, She's never believed unless she comes weeping with her clothing torn. The Chami responded, Whether one woman displays signs of mourning and one does not, they're both believed and are permitted to marry. The Gemara cites an incident with a woman who came to Rabbi Yehuda's basin to testify that her husband had died. Some rabbis there at the basin told her to show signs of mourning by crying over her husband, tearing her clothing, and disheveling her hair. When the Gemara asks, Apu Shikra, did they teach her to lie? It then answers that these rabbis held, like the Chachamim, that she is believed without showing signs of mourning. But they knew Rabbi Yudah would not permit her to marry unless she showed such signs. Therefore, they said, let her do so, so the Rabbi Yudah will permit her to marry. The Me'iri drives from here the principle that if one knows that a superior court permits a certain matter, but there's a lower court that has a dissenting opinion, it's permitted to advise the relevant party on how to meet the requirements under which the lower court will also grant a permit. And pointing between the next mission of states that Basila said regarding believing a woman who testifies about her husband's death, We have not heard this tradition except in a case where she comes from the grain harvest and in the same country, as were the circumstances in the case, which is the basis of this ruling. The Gemara explains that before Basil retracted this ruling, their rationale was that a woman would be afraid to lie in a place where the incident occurred because her testimony could be contradicted by others. Beishamah's reply would be she would still be afraid to lie even where she testifies that he died in a different country because caravans bringing people from that country are common. So once again, the Mishnah Daf Kufya Dalad stated, If there was conflict between him and her and peace in the world, the wife is not believed to say her husband died when they were overseas. The Gemara here asks, What is considered conflict between him and her? Rav Yudah said, In the name of Shmuel, When it comes to a point at which she says to her husband, Divorce me. When the Gemara objects and says that all women say this when they're angry, it revises Shmuel's statement to, When she says to her husband, You have divorced me. This means that the fighting has become so intense that she attempted to free herself from him by falsely claiming they were divorced. When the Gemara challenges this, based on what Rav Hamnuna taught, that a woman who said her husband divorced her is believed because it's a chazaka, that a woman would not be so brazen to say before her husband falsely that he divorced her. It once again revises what Shmuel said to be when she says, you have divorced me in the presence of Pony and Pony. And when the witnesses are asked, they say it never happened. Pointing to the Mishnah Rabbi Yehuda said regarding a woman testifying that her husband died overseas, 
She's never believed unless she comes weeping with her clothing torn. The Chamin responded, Whether one woman displays signs of mourning and one does not, they're both believed and are permitted to marry. The Gemara cites an incident with a woman who came to Rabbi Yudah's basin to testify that her husband had died. Some rabbis there at the basin told her to show signs of mourning by crying over her husband, tearing her clothing, and disheveling her hair. When the Gemara asks, Apu Shikra, did they teach her to lie? It then answers that these Rabban held, like the Chachamim, that she is believed without showing signs of mourning. But they knew Rabbi Yudah would not permit her to marry unless she showed such signs. Therefore, they said, let her do so, so the rebuta will permit her to marry. The Me'iri derives from here the principle that if one knows that a superior court permits a certain matter, but there's a lower court that has a dissenting opinion, it's permitted to advise the relevant party on how to meet the requirements under which the lower court will also grant a permit. And pointing between the next Mishnah states that Basil said regarding believing a woman who testifies about her husband's death, we have not heard this tradition except in a case where she comes from the grain harvest and in the same country, as were the circumstances in the case, which is the basis of this ruling. The Gemara explains that before Basil retracted this ruling, the rationale was that a woman would be afraid to lie in a place where the incident occurred because her testimony could be contradicted by others. Beishamai's reply would be she would still be afraid to lie even when she testifies that he died in a different country because caravans bringing people from that country are common. All right, so now we go to our Simr Daf Kuftez Zayin, and this Simr was suggested to us by Menashe Ruben Weiss from Yushalayim and by Aaron Warsaw from Queens. They both suggested Kuftez Zayin is a barber giving haircuts. A barber giving haircuts. So here goes. The barber listening to his customer talk about the strife he was having with his wife. Overheard the judge waiting for a haircut advised a woman on the phone to dress up and look like a mourner, and that it was okay her husband died during the olive harvest and not the grain harvest. So once again, it's emotion. The barber, barber, that must be learned off, kuft has zayin, barber giving haircuts. The barber listening to his customer talk about the strife he was having with his wife, which reminds the Mishnah Daf Kufya Dalad Alman Bey stated, If there was conflict between him and her and peace in the world, the wife is not believed to say her husband died when they were overseas. The Gemara here asks, What is considered conflict between him and her? And concludes that it's when she says, You have divorced me in the presence of pony and pony. And when the witnesses are asked, they say, It never happened. So the barber listening to his customer talk about the strife he was having with his wife overheard the judge waiting for a haircut advise a woman on the phone to dress up and look like a mourner. Which reminds us of what you know the Mishnah said regarding a woman testifying that her husband died overseas. She's never believed unless she comes weeping with her clothing torn. The Chamin responded, Whether one woman displays signs of mourning and another does not, they're both believed and are permitted to marry. The Gemara cites an incident with a woman who came to Rabbi Huda's basin to testify that her husband had died. Some rabbis there at the basin told her to show signs of mourning by crying over her husband, tearing her clothing, and disheveling her hair. These were buttoned held like the coming that she's believed without showing signs of mourning. But they knew Rabbi Yudah would not permit her to marry unless she showed such signs. So the barber listening to his customer talk about the strife he was having with his wife overheard the judge waiting for a haircut advise a woman on the phone to dress up and look like a mourner and that it was okay her husband died during the olive harvest and not the grain harvest. Which reminds us, the next mission states that Basil said regarding believing a woman who testifies about her husband's death, We have not heard this tradition except in a case where she comes in the grain harvest and in the same country, as were the circumstances in the case which is the basis for this ruling. The Gemara explains that before Basil retracted this ruling, the rationale was that a woman would be afraid to lie in a place 
where the incident occurred because her testimony could be contradicted by others. Beishamah's reply would be she would still be afraid to lie even where she testifies that he had died in a different country because caravans bringing people from that country are common. So once again, the barber listening to his customer talk about the strife he was having with his wife overheard the judge waiting for a haircut advise a woman on the phone to dress up and look like a mourner and that it was okay her husband died during the olive harvest and not the grain harvest. All right, now it's time for four blah Hazara. Daf Kuf Yud Beis. So the symbol of Daf Kuf Yud Beis is a Rubik's Cube. So here goes. The woman who puts stickers on a Rubik's Cube. Rubik's Cube. That must mean we're on Daf Kuf Yud Beis. The woman who put stickers on a Rubik's Cube of all the men she was prohibiting herself to, but did not think to include a sticker of her Yavam, which reminds us, the question was asked, If a married woman said, I'm removed from all Jews, meaning she made a netter not to have benefit from relations with any men, what's the luck regarding the Yavam? Did she consider at the time she made the netter that her husband might die childless, and she'll fall to the Yavam Yibam? If so, then the Yavam is certainly prohibited to her. Or did she not consider the possibility, in which case he would be permitted to her? Rush explains why she may have not considered the possibility. Rav said, Yavam eno The Yavam is not like the husband, as the nenner did not apply to him, and if the husband dies childless, he may do Yibam with her. Shmuel said, Yavam harukabal. The Yavam is like the husband, and just as a husband is forbidden to her, so is he, because the netter includes him. Abai brings the support for Rav's position. So the woman who put stickers on a Rubik's Cube of all the men she was prohibiting herself to, but did not think to include a sticker of her Yavam, and ended up getting divorced against her will after she became a Chareshes, which reminds us, Rabbi Yochum and Nuri said to the Rabbanim, why may a woman who became a Chareshes be divorced, but a man who became a Cheresh may not divorce? They answered, A man who divorces is not comparable to a woman being divorced. For the woman can be divorced with her consent and without it, while the man may only divorce with his consent. Since a man who is mentally incompetent, such as a Heresh or a Shota, cannot express consent, they may not divorce a woman. So, the woman who put stickers on a Rubik's Cube of all the men she was prohibiting herself to, but did not think to include a sticker of her Yavam, and ended up getting divorced against her will after she became a Heresh's, got married again unlike the Shota she knew who could never get married at all. Which reminds us, Rami Barakama said, What's the difference between a Kheresh and a Kheresh that the Rabban instituted, a category of marriage and a Shota and a Shota that the Rabban did not? The Gemara answers that in the case of the Kheresh and where the rabbinic institution of marriage can endure, they establish Nasun. Rashi explains that deaf mutes can get along with other people and serve them with their spouses. In the case of the Shota of a Shota, where rabbinic institution of marriage cannot endure, for in Adam Dar, in Nachesh, Bekfifa Achas, for a man cannot live with a snake inside one basket, they did not institute it. Rush explains that it's not in the nature of insane people to coexist with others peaceably, and the marriage will ultimately fail. All right, so that completes today's shir. This is Rabbi Avram Golden Zichu, wishing you a great day and great learning. Daf Kuf Yud Gimel. So the similar Daf Kuf Yud Gimel is a geek. So here goes. The computer geek who was enthusiastically writing the Katana versus Hareshes marriage software program to automatically remind husbands that the Hareshes is the one who cannot receive Truma the Rabbanan, Nora Kasuba, was constantly being interrupted by his Shota wife. He could not divorce because Rabbanan did not permit him. Once again, it's a motion. The computer geek, geek, that must be more in Duff, Kuf Yud Gimel. The computer geek who was enthusiastically writing the Katana versus Hareshes marriage software program to automatically remind husbands that the Hareshes is the one who cannot receive Truma Drabanan, which reminds us, the Gemara asks, what's the difference between a Katana who eats Drabanan Truma 
and a Choreshes who does not eat Durban Truma. After the first reason is rejected, the Gemara explains that the real reason a Choreshes may not eat Truma is Gezer Shemiyacho Cheresh Bipikachas, a decree less a deaf mute Cohen feed the rice of Truma to his competent wife. Since she's competent and responsible for her actions and only married on a Durban level to the Cohen, she would be Chayv Misa. So the computer geek who was enthusiastically writing the Katana versus Choreshes marriage software program to automatically remind husbands that the Choreshes is the one who cannot receive Truma the Rabbanan, nor a Kasuba, which reminds us, the Gemara asks, what is the difference between the Katana who has the right to a Ksuba and a Choreshes that does not have the right to a Ksuba? And the answer is that if a Choreshes received a Ksuba, men would be dissuaded and not marry her in the first place. Rashi explains that men will not be dissuaded from marrying a Katana since she will eventually become competent. The Gemara said, if this is so regarding the marriage of a competent woman, and a cherish, we talking like Suba. Let the Rabban institute a Suba for her. For if the competent women do not get one, they would be dissuaded and not marry deaf mute men. The Gemara answers that it's not necessary since more than a man desires to get married, a woman desires to get married. So the computer geek who was enthusiastically writing the Katana versus Choreshes marriage software program to automatically remind husbands that the Choreshes is the one who cannot receive Truma de Rabbanan, nor a Kasuba, was constantly being interrupted by his Shota wife he could not divorce because the Rabbanan did not permit him, which reminds us, the Mishnah Daf Kuf Yud stated that if a man married a woman who subsequently became a Shota, insane, he may not divorce her. Yitzhak said, Under the Raisa law, a Shota can be divorced just like a Pikachas can be divorced against her will. What's the reason the Rabbanan said she cannot be divorced? So that people will not treat her in a Hefker way after the divorce. The Gemara clarifies that Yitzhak's teaching refers to one who can safeguard her get so she can be derisive of divorce, but cannot safeguard herself from being treated in a Hefker way. Daf Kuf So the similar Daf Kuf is a kitty park. So here goes. The rabbi lost his keys on Shabbos and took his children to the kitty park. Kitty park? That must be more in Daf Kuf the rabbi lost his keys on Shabbos and took his children to the kiddie park by way of Rishus Rabim, which reminds us Rav Yitzhak Barbisna once lost his keys to the base Midrash in Rishus Rabim on Shabbos. He came before Rabbi Vitas, who told him, go bring some young boys and girls to that place and let them play there, for if they find the keys, they'll bring them back on their own. The Gemara concludes, Rabbi Padas holds, Katan ochel nevelos, aim basin mitzuvim la'afrisho, that if a cotton is found eating nevelah meat or any other derisive iser, basin is not chayev to separate him from that activity. If based in Rechayv, then Rabbi Padas would not permit the children who found the keys to carry them Daladamos in Rishus Arabim. So the rabbi lost his keys on Shabbos and took his children to the kitty park by way of Rishus Arabim, told his son not to extinguish the fire that broke out in the swing set, which reminds us, one must tell a Jewish child that he cannot extinguish a fire on Shabbos since Shvizaso Alem, his resting is the adult's responsibility, and the child would do it al das avi, based on the understanding of what his father wishes. Whereas one does not have to tell an idolater to not extinguish a fire, since his Shvizaso is not the Jew's responsibility. And even if the idolater did it because he thought that's what the Jews wanted, it's still not a problem because over Kohadim died to the Nafshi of it. And the idolater always acts according to his own thinking. And Rashi explains that even if the Jew is not aware of the fire, the idolater will put it out knowing that he will receive a reward for doing so. So the rabbi who lost his keys on Shabbos and took his children to the kiddie park by way of Rejus Arabim told the son not to extinguish the fire that broke out on the swing set and assured his daughter that the boy pretending to be shot by an arrow isn't necessarily dead. 
Which reminds us, in the case of where a man and woman went overseas, when there was peace between them but war in the world, the woman is not believed to say that her husband died. And if you were to suggest that since there is peace between them, then she would not testify until she saw him dead, there's still a concern that she'll have seen him wounded by an arrow or a spear, and she assumes that he must have died when there are times when he can get medical care and still survive. Daf Kuftes Vav. So the similar Daf Kuftes Vav is a Katoris maker. So here goes. The Katoris maker's wife, Katoris maker, that must be on Daf Kuftes Vav. The Katoris maker's wife, who said there was a war going on, where her husband had died, which reminds us, the Gemara asks, If a woman established for us that there was a war in some part of the world, what is the halacha regarding believing her that her husband died in the war? The Gemara attempts to bring a proof from a case where a woman is believed when she says that she and her husband were attacked by idolaters or leased him and her husband was killed. The Gemara rejects this proof, saying the reason we believe her in this case is that she stayed with her husband until he actually died. As Ravidi said, A woman's weapons are always upon her. The Mepharshim explained that it's presumed that the idolaters or bandits will spare her life to have illicit relations with her. Therefore, she could remain with her husband to see that he died and not need to flee like she would in the case of a war. So the Katoris maker's wife, who said there was a war going on where her husband had died, was approached by two women for perfume, since they smelled like fish from being at sea, where they identified true drowned men. Which reminds us, the Gemara asks, what's the luck regarding an aid echad, a single witness, who testifies to a husband's death during wartime? The Gemara brings an incident where the wives of Tutacham and Chukami were permitted to remarry based on the testimony of women who saw them drown. Now, since drowning is akin to dying at war, and the testimony of women, even 100 women, is considered like the testimony of one witness, we see that one witness is believed that a husband died at war. The Gemara rejects this answer, saying the situation was where the women said they brought the bodies up in our presence, and we saw them immediately while they were still identifiable, and they said the simanim, the marks had identified them as the Talmud Chukamim. Therefore, the rabbis did not rely on their testimony, but on the simanim they saw. So the Katoris maker's wife, who said there was a war going on where her husband had died, was approached by two women for perfume since they smelled like fish from being at sea, where they identified two drowned men, who had the exact same names as two other men. Who were traveling. Which reminds us, Yitzhak Reish Galusa, the son of the sister of Bivi, was going from Katava to Aspamia when he died. They sent the following message from there. Yitzhak Reish Galusa from Katava died. The Gemara asks, do we need to suspect there are two Yitzhaks or not? Abai said we must be concerned, and Rabbi says we do not need to be concerned. All right, so that concludes today's shir. This is Rabbi Ram Goldham Zikushin. A great day and great learning.